It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Crowd cheers. Here's Siddle. He's got it! Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Two Slips in the Gully. It's just the Aaron's with you tonight. How are you, Aaron? I'm good, mate. How are you going? Pretty good, pretty good. It's been uh, been a little while. We uh, had some things not go our way last week, so we missed uh, an episode, but we're back. We've got plenty to talk about, so we're going oh, to yeah, it's, it's... we're going to race on through because we've yeah. got so much to cover. So we've got to be careful because we have established off air that uh, the Aaron's are the ones that drag the episodes out. We're the ones that waffle on with the ones that turn an hour episode into an hour and a half one so uh uh we'll have to be on our best behavior and get through it all because like i said there is so much to talk about so we're going to jump straight into it right after this Go on, straight down the throat of first slips. Uh, like we said, we've got lots to cover in this episode, and so what we normally do, we've got lots to cover, is we're going to jump back in and have another lightning round. So uh, uh, strap in, it's going to be a bit of a storm this one, so ready, set, go. First thing I'd like to talk about, uh, from one Bathurst cricketer to another, uh, Trent Copeland has finally pulled up stumps on what has been an illustrious career. Um, you know, he is the third leading run score or third leading wicket taker, I should say, um, for New South Wales in Sheffield in Sheffield Shield cricket. Uh, 451 total wickets, 410 of them have been first class, 41 of them have been list A. Not bad for a keeper from the bush. He goes okay, doesn't he, old Trent? Um, we, I think we really need to be on to the council about this. If there's a new statue that's about to be built anywhere in this town, I would suggest that there's probably one dedicated to one T. Copeland. Oh, you know, it's race car drivers, that's about it that gets... Uh, yeah, gets well, I mean, it's just ridiculous, really. I mean, have a look at the guy. This guy will live... His record will live in the, in the, in the history of New South Wales. The proud, proud, long, storied history 
of New South Wales cricket. Yeah, some very, very talented cricketers are coming out of New South Wales, and for Trent Copeland to be the third leading wicket taker of all time. Um, uh, Phenomenal player. Played for Australia. Uh, test cap number 420, I'm pretty sure it is. Only played the six... Uh, sorry, you got... Yeah, the six six test wickets across, I think, was it three games. Should have played a whole lot more. I can't believe he wasn't on almost every tour to England in some capacity. Um, I think maybe at some times two injuries crueled him just at the wrong times. Oh, I think he... At the peak of his powers, when he probably should have been going to on more Australian tours, it was when Darren Lehman had that obsession with well, every bowler that I pick must be able to bowl 145 kilometres per hour or they're not worth picking. Yeah. Well, we, While Vernon Philander was carving up teams for fun yeah. and James Anderson was carving up teams for fun. Yeah, well, I mean, that was a philosophy that, you know, we have gone down that road quite often. I mean, the, the good swing bowler is the rarity rather than the... The norm in Australian cricket, you know, we could probably name the great, the really great swing bowlers on one on one hand. Yeah, you know, plenty of, plenty of guys that can um, yeah, run in and bang it in. But uh, exactly, so his 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 craft is much underrated. Uh, I had the privilege of going in and seeing him for a couple of games as well, playing for New South Wales. Uh, Meant a great deal because, you know, as it is, he's, he's, he's a local boy. We're from Bathurst. He's from Bathurst. So uh, it was uh, always good to see one of the the guys from your neck of the woods going and doing well. So um, wishing uh, Trent all the best from Two Slips and a Gully. Um, I'm sure he's going to go on to bigger and Bigger things with uh, Channel 7 and being involved in their broadcasting team, which has already shown that he's yeah, been... Um, he's a pretty savvy analyst, isn't he? Yeah. yeah so, he's, uh, he's all over it. So that, fir- that first-hand knowledge of what it takes to be a successful bowler um, comes out in his commentary. <laughs> Uh, so that's it. That's done. Um, all the best, Trent, to, from from us to you and your family, and hope that you find the next part of your journey just as rewarding as the last part. So uh, many congratulations on what has been a fantastic career. Uh, the next thing we're going to talk about, sticking with domestic cricket, um, we talked about a couple of podcasts ago, New South Wales getting in bed with the uh, New York-based uh, no, no, it was the Washington DC yeah, based um, uh, major league cricket franchise. Cricket Victoria has now also jumped into bed with the San Francisco based uh, major league cricket franchise. Again, similar sort of thing. They're going to be looking at um, exposing some young Victorian cricketers through the major league cricket systems. They're going to be opportunities for coaches and players from America to come and um, and learn the game over in Australia. And I think it's um, again like we talked about. Um, a really good way of expediting the development of a country that is um, really has cricket on the brain at the moment. Like there's there's a lot of wheels turning to tr- make sure that this momentum doesn't that doesn't fall down. Oh yeah, look, I, I'm. This is getting more and more exciting as the more it goes along. And the thing is, that it's concrete things. It's not, oh, we may yeah. give a bit of help here or we may do that. No, we're going to get into bed with you and we're going to... Yeah. We're going to it's not speculative. A, it's yeah, like it's, our name is on the bit of paper. Yeah, we've we've signed the, up. Exactly. Our name's on the bit of paper. Um, we're ready to go. We're going to send some of our best young players over there. Your best young players are going to be exposed to us, um, our coaching methods, our, our style of play. And then for for us as well, like there are a lot of a lot of fingers and a lot of pies over in American cricket. There are a lot of people, obviously not high, super high level elite ones, obviously, but there are a lot of 
different people coming and getting involved um, in in American cricket. They want it to succeed. So it's also a way of, you know, our young players are getting exposed. By doing this, we'll be exposed to, to various different teaching methods. It's not just going to be the same pathway system that we're going to get in New South Wales and Victoria. So there is development benefits um, for, for our players as well. It's not just a helping hand to a, a, an associate nation. There, there is tangible things that we can get back. And I think it's very exciting because I, I cannot remember his name and I, I only just occurred to me as I started this um, this part of the lightning round. There was a former West Indian player who's now currently involved in the coaching setup of USA Cricket, thinks that they're only a few years away, and he said didn't give a number, he said a few, a few years away from overtaking the West Indies as part of a, a cricket develop, uh, as a, a way of developing players. They will be better at developing cricketers than the West Indies in a few years. And I'm like... Like I talked about, that's I don't think that's far fetched. No, and in a little when you said that, and the way that it was said, it was said, it just cut a little bit of the bottom of my heart off and went, "Poor West Indies, okay." Because if you now, if you guys are now going to have to compete with what they're doing, say in the American American collegiate system, if this becomes a, a collegiate sport, look, it, they're done because all the. All the very best Caribbean cricketers will be going to the USA on scholarships and they'll get tied up to franchise cricket because it'll be their pathway. It's like Major League Baseball, Major League Soccer, whatever it is that you want to name. Yeah. And that will be the best. They'll come out, they'll flash some dollars, they'll be straight into a franchise system, a franchise system that has connections to the IPL and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And yeah, as a young West Indian cricketer, like, of course you're going to do that. Like, exactly. I, I've got, I got to, you know, the team that's affiliated with the Mumbai Indians going, here's some money, come play for us. If I kick ass at that, then I could be on the next plane and getting big, big dollars in the IPL, like, yeah. in a few years. Like, it, it just, yeah. it's, um, like I said, this could, this could turn into an absolute juggernaut for world cricket in, in less time than people are anticipating. Um, moving to international cricket, and I want to have a chat about that phenomenal test match between uh, New Zealand and, and England. Yeah, well, um, wow. Uh, we wanted to talk about that in the last episode, but unfortunately yeah. that last episode didn't happen because uh, I, was, I was indisposed. Um, but, wow, just I hate to give credit to, to the Poms. Like it just burns me to do so, but that that is an incredible, incredible example of Test cricket. Yeah. And one thing I really appreciated was just the genuine joy that uh, Brendan McCullum had on his face at the end of the game. I mean, obviously he's um, he'd be upset that he lost. Like, he was on the losing end of a game like that, but you can tell that even at his heart of hearts, Brendan McCullum wants his this team to do well. And yeah. what a game! What a game! Oh, um, where do you start, Harry Brook? Wow. Oh, there's so many. Um, Joe Root, again, doing Joe Root things. Kane Williamson Kane coming up Williamson, big in the, yeah. to, to set um, the game up. Tom Latham was superb as well. Um, look, the bowlers have been a little bit overlooked in all of this. But you what remember, a bounce back from um, from Wagner. He yeah. was getting towed up everywhere and then took four for in the, in the fourth innings to make that yeah. happen. Uh, I, I think it's, it'd be remiss not to point out this is only the fourth time in history that yeah. a team has won a game um, following um, being forced to follow on. The yeah. last time that happened was in in two thousand and one, which was the famous Kolkata one where we yeah. stopped forcing the follow on for like <laughs> two decades. Yeah. I think the last one was in the mid eighties. So yeah. that it's an absolute freak occurrence. Yeah, it's a rarity, and for it to end up being about one run 
is just extraordinary. And I mean, it had all the tension. I mean, I remember the one run test with Australia Wendy's in Adelaide. Um, the tension, the the excitement about what was going on there, and it was. I actually found it more exciting from my point of view watching it as neutral, because I had nothing invested in this other than the English might get beat. Yeah, which you know that's that in itself is enough to be invested in. But you know you don't. Ha- it's not that pulling at the patriotic heartstrings. And but what a game! And Wagner Wagner was superb. He has his method. He has his way of going about things. Um, I actually would like to see him just occasionally bowl a bit of a spell because I have seen him pitch the ball up and he, he's a very, very good bowler. Yeah. He's got the skill to, to do things off the seam. It's a little bit of shape back in, but he was supreme on that last day. One thing that I was probably – it didn't end up working, but I was very impressed with it was the um, the application that Ben Stokes put in where he knew that the team was in trouble – yeah. And too often you've seen Ben Stokes with this, yeah. you know, thing is I'm just going to blast my way out. Yeah. Uh, the best, the best defense is a good offense sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas I think he was thirty odd off a hundred plus balls, yeah. where he really locked in and had and 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 if England, if England get that right, if yeah. England get that balance between let's go and absolutely cut sick at the beginning, mm-hmm. and if we lose a few wickets. <laughs> Lose a few wickets, um, and then we can reel it back in, set ourselves up, and explode again. If they can, if they can turn it on and off, they're going to be an incredibly difficult team to beat. At the moment, you're looking at that and you're going, "All right, so uh, you know, you're five for one eighty at at lunch. That's amazing, but you're two wickets away from being all out for two fifty sort of thing. If we get another wicket, you know, and that's that's the and thing. That's, and that's exactly what happened. They were chasing two fifty six. And they only got two fifty five. Yeah. So, or two fifty four, whatever it happened to be. I'm not sure exactly how how it all if works. They can get themselves when they know that the chips are down. That they've just got to go. All right, be sensible. And um, when we get when it becomes a little easier, we can then just go bang, 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 bang. And yeah, they'll be they'll they will reinvent Test cricket if they get that if they can transition from go stop and go. Look out. Oh, and um. At some stage, we really need to do a bit of a lightning round about Harry Brook. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the last thing I want to talk about for the lightning round, if we get everything else, obviously we made such a big deal about it, is the WPL has got underway. Yes. And um, what a start it has been. That's what wrong. a start it has been. Some really entertaining cricket, some Aussie girls doing fantastic things. Meg Lanning has just been well, she's, otherworldly. She's the, she's the golden cap at the moment. She's the leading run scorer in the, in the whole thing. Um, so, um, and then Talia McGrath the other night. Yeah, big 90 from Talia McGrath. Yeah, she is just an amazing player. One thing, as yeah, uh, yeah, at heart, I it's close to my heart, so obviously we're going to talk about it, is that um, the first five we could haul for the WPL was, uh, was Tara Norris, who is an American. Yeah, first associate um, player in a big franchise league and... It's done extremely well. And, she is and the, looks and looks pretty good. Just she is the too. only associate nation player in the WPL. Yeah, which is um, credit to whoever brought her in, whoever scouted her, because she certainly looks like she belongs. Four that overs, doesn't... five for twenty nine, and no. and basically won the game. Yeah, she was, was, she was exceptional. Yeah, um, I, I think it's been a great product so far. Yeah. There's been some some great stuff, um, some excellent crowds too. So the Indian people who like the the money people who've, who've gone down this road and said, yeah, we're going to have a women's league, 
they'd already be sitting back and going, yeah, we're pretty happy with this so far. The, but the quality of the cricket's really, really good, and the crowds have been very good too. And which is what you want. You want the crowds to come in and, and yeah. back it up. And it's obviously then going to be turning very quickly into the IPL. So India's, you know, it's got yeah. the WPL going now, the the test matches going, which we'll talk about a bit later on, and then and the IPL. It's um, they've got a lot of, a lot of cricket coming their way, and it's great to see that the uh, the crowds are out there supporting this thing, and you can just. You just tell it, obviously, that they must live and breathe be, it. I always find it interesting when you do see these massive crowds because India, is, while it's a developing and, in some aspects, a rich country, it's cricket's a sport for everybody. So even the poorest people can afford to go to the cricket. That is a credit to them. We're very critical of the Indian boards and the way they, that they have an influence in cricket. The fact that they are able to price the game to a certain extent to allow such widespread of people to come in? Could you see the wide the, the diversity in the crowd? Well I when think you look India India understand that which sometimes what we don't in Australia is that if you make your game less accessible, it will become even even if it's financially viable in the short term to make it less accessible, it will hurt you in the long run, which is yeah. privatizing television rights and things like that. Yeah. Um, you know, I've never thought it made sense in Australia. Um, but it, it's so good to see it um, coming off. Um, you know, you'd have to say that on the whole, the big money players have uh, have come up. You'd probably yeah. say that Perry and Ash Gardner from Australia are probably yet to hit that that value. Yeah, look, I, but, um, um, I, I wouldn't be overly worried about either of those two at, at any stage, really. Long um, tournament, they'll, yeah, they'll, long they'll have tournament, moments where they'll. You know, Ash Gardner turns a game in thirty balls. At least Perry can turn a game in two balls, you know, so you know the quality you've got there. I, I don't think people yeah. are going to be particularly worried about that. There's a massive, massive track record of how well they're playing. Yeah. Um, Nat Siver Brunt has been um, been tremendous yeah. in, oh, yes. with as both I, disciplines. Yeah, as I actually said to you off air, she, um, she's just quality player. You know, nationality really doesn't come into it when you look at, at the absolute elites. doesn't matter what nationality they are. They're just great cricket players, and she's one of them. What a, what a magnificent cover drive. She really does hit the ball beautifully through the offside. Yes. Yes, she does. Uh, so just having a quick look here. So, um, you know, Nat, she's up there uh, in the top run scorer. So is uh, Hayley Matthews from the West the, Indies. The West Indies. Yeah. She's been doing fantastic things. We haven't seen anything of um, young Volvart yet, Laura Volvart from um, the South African. No, not yet. Uh, Kim Garth, actually. So she's an Irish-born Australian. Yeah. Uh, she's the one of the leading wicket-takers in the game for the thing as well. Uh, Shafali Verma has been doing fantastic things. She's got the second high score of an 84. Um, yeah, so there's just been... Uh, Kim Garth actually got the second five, so there's two fives. Tara Norris got the first, five for 29. Kim Garth got five for 36 in her game. Um, so, yeah, that, that, just been... That's re- I mean, that in itself is very encouraging. I vaguely remember the story of Kim Garth, and she actually came out here to, to play cricket and has learned how to play cricket, now she's playing the franchise cricket at the highest level. I just think it's really good to see a big cross-section of players that have been have been performing. It's not just a couple of, you know, the bright lights of seeing lots and lots of people coming up and, and, and surprising names as well, like Tara Norris from the United States. Who would have seen, yeah. who would have seen that coming? So it's... Um, 
yeah, it, it's going to do what the IPL did for men's cricket. It's going to be a fantastic platform for for these for these ladies to get not only a, a quite a generous payday for their their hard work, but propel them onto the global stage even more than what a well, when, you, when, you, when you're talking about the global stage, if they're propelled into the Indian consciousness, yeah. that's one-seventh of the world population right there. So you're on the global stage from the start without going anywhere else in the world. Uh, yeah, it's really, really exciting what's going on over there. We, as I said, we can be really critical at times of the Indian board and their administration and stuff like that, but they certainly have their finger on the pulse about how to, how to develop the game. So they had to develop the game in their country. And it's going to be interesting to see if it's going to cause a, a return serve of sorts for the WBBL or the Women's 100 to see if they're going to be tweaking things. I suppose with a lot less competition for time in the women's calendar, it's not as full as the men's calendar. There's probably not as much urgency to make sure that you, you know, that you're hyper-competitive because there's so much time for 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 foreign players to be available to come and play in these tournaments. But um, you can imagine that if it takes off, you can see the Indians getting their hands into, say, like a West Indian women's, like a Caribbean women's one and yeah. funding a lot of that. Or an American, there will almost certainly be an American competition before too much longer. Yeah, look, I actually think you'd probably be better off from a strategic point of view looking at an American competition rather than a West Indian one. Yeah. If you're the, if you're the WPL money, money man. They've actually got a, a fairly impressive um, under-19s team. I'm yeah. not sure how much, if it's broken up into um, they only play sort of associate nations, and, but they've got a very impressive win-loss record for which you wouldn't expect a, a nation where cricket is probably not as well-funded as other places, no. and they've got a, a quite a competitive uh, under-19s women's side. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, there'll be a lot of room for growth. For in the women's cricket game, so um, and this is one big step in making making that happen. Mm-hmm. Oh, look, there should be more of it, and there, and I have no doubt there's going to be. All right, so uh, we prepared to save the WPL for the last one of the lightning rounds, so we could uh, waffle on a little bit about that. But that's that done. Now we're going to uh, finish there and move on to the other big segment of our podcast. We're going to have a bit of a talk about the World Cup that has just occurred, where Australia has now won its second three-peat of trophies. Was there ever really in doubt? Got it! Patrick Sloverball, beautifully bowled. Well- so the most recent rendition of the Women's T20 World Cup has just come to a close, or just it happened over a week ago, but like I said, we missed an episode, so we're playing catch-up. Um, Australia were the victors over the home team, South Africa, um, in what was a, two, a pair of stunning semi-finals. Uh, what a what a fantastic tournament for the Aussies, um, and for South Africans too. They wouldn't have been really that fancy to... To make the final, and um, the fact they even got to the semi-finals is quite an achievement for them. I, I thought, I, I really thought that you know he's punched above your weight here, considering you lost your first game. But England's going to be a little bit too good here. Um, sorry, <laughs> um, yeah, that that was superb. And uh, and the other final was was fantastic as well. I mean, Australia were completely untroubled throughout the whole tournament. Like, it was almost embarrassing, the disparity between the sides. And India gave them everything they could take, and they just 
And and in all honesty, I think you've we've discussed this outside the podcast. And I think we're both in agreements that uh, India probably threw that game away. They um, they had Australia on the ropes, and they should have won. It was their own yeah. ill discipline that uh, that cost them that game. Exactly. Um, how your captain can come out after being run out in such an appalling way at such a stage of the game and say, oh, it could have happened to anybody. No, good um, discipline makes that no, not happen. You know, good, just good basic skills of runner between the wickets. And they, the Indians have improved a lot, but they don't have that devotion, the ruthlessness to the, the basic tiny little things that you do that make you a really, really good team. And the Australians have to do I, that and I, in And Spain. I think that's, that, yeah, there's obviously Australia has a quite, a significant talent advantage. They've been playing organised women's cricket for a lot longer with a lot more resources than a lot of the other parts of the world. So in general, their players are really, really talented. Not saying that all of them are the most talented, but there are certainly some very talented players from England, from South Africa, from India. But their talent level is on average probably higher than the average talent level of most of the other teams. But one thing they do very, very well uh, well, the you know, inverted commas, the little things. Yes. Um, and like the Australian men's team, I think the worst the Australians fielded was actually at the beginning of this, the, the final. They, they're usually quite disciplined in the field. They're and ruthless in the field is more of the phrase. So they had a few, they had a few down points, but they, they made it back up at other points in the game. But there's such dedication to the, the discipline of fielding, which I think is by and large, what separates them even more than their batting and bowling is the fact that they, they are a class above. No one in the world, no one in the world, and I don't care if people label me as a, as a home, like a hometown fan, there is not a women's team in the world right now that holds a candle to Australia's commitment to the field, to the discipline of fielding. England doesn't, India doesn't, South Africa doesn't, the West Indies don't. No. Australia is so far ahead in their discipline in the field, that it is, it is not funny. Teams are catching up batting and bowling. India have proven that. Um, I don't think they've got the same depth that Australia has. England, South Africa, India, they don't have the same depth. But their very best stack up with our very best. Right. We've just probably got more of our very best. very best than what they do. But no one comes close in, in terms of fielding. And, and honestly, it's, it's that. And I suppose... Winning has become habitual for Australia. So when they got themselves into a hole, they just needed that that just a break to go their way, and they'll put their foot on the throat and they'll and they won't let up. And that's exactly what happened. Um, you know, Harmpreet Kaur had Australia on the ropes. If she batted out the game, they comfortably win. Yeah, they, she had they, them win, there. they win in a canter. And as soon as that happened, you could tell. As soon as Healy managed to get those, whip those bales yeah. off, pointing at that, and it came up out, you could just feel Australia go. Right, this is it. They've 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 stuffed it. We're in now, and they just they just switched on. They dried the runs up, and they just went back to playing. They were a bit rattled, but they had a break go their way, and a break that, quite frankly, they probably didn't deserve. It was something that it was a, a freak accident of the game, but it went their way, and they just clicked in the gear, and they just rammed their foot in, and they just didn't let India get back up, and no. they just bossed the game from that point. That was superb, um, and and they're they're brilliantly led. They really are. Their captain is, a, is pulls all the right reins in the field, doesn't she? She just knows when to bring someone on and she always has a plan. 
this is what we're going to do and this is the field I'm going to set and you're going to bowl to it. And Ashley Gardner at the end there was just brilliant. She really was. Oh, yeah, Ashley, Ashley Gardner was fantastic. And, and, you know, um, Beth Mooney is coming up as a an absolute gun, big-name player. Um, she's come up big in so many tournament finals. Um, for, for the Australian women's team, it, it, it's phenomenal how much she, she's standing up. Um, jumping over to the South African semi-final, um, I thought you know Tasman Brits was phenomenal up top. Really got the game going. Laura Bulvart again was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Marizan Cap polished off the innings very well, and they really bossed that inning. Got to one fifty eight, which is very defendable. Um, and then you know at one for fifty three. Well, none for fifty-three. They've got to be thinking, Jesus, um, at off, you know, four overs or whatever it was at the end of the end of the fifth over. They were in the in the fifty. So going ten and over the first five, South Africa's got to be thinking to themselves, Oh God, we're we're so close. We're just going to get run down. But they didn't. They they stuck to their guns. And how good was that uh, that Karka coming in the death where she bowled? Was that a double wicket maiden or something like close yeah. to it? Yeah, three. It was three. It was a triple wicket. She got the eighteenth over. She got three wickets in the over, and uh, Jones, Eccleston, and and Cyber Brunt, and just that was that was the the Cyber Brunt one was the one that really broke the camel's back. She would got she would have got England home. I have no doubt about that. If she hadn't been dismissed in that particular time, even though she was clearly running out of partners, um, she's hitting the ball well enough to. If somebody had been able to stay with her for any length of time, but once she was gone, England England were gone too. Yeah, that was that that was the big moment. Soon that was game done, done and dusted at that point. But and just and it was like, it was an amazing fight back from South Africa to um, get themselves into that game, into like back into that. And then like, is that the first? That's the first final, I believe, a South African cricket team has made, except for the. The first Commonwealth game, Commonwealth Games, because they got the Commonwealth Games gold, gold medal. medal. Yeah. So other than that, was that, that was in Kuala Lumpur, wasn't it? Pretty sure it was. Yeah. yeah. And that was a really low-scoring game, yeah. and they ended up beating us. Uh, but that's the yeah. The, other than that, that's the first ICC tournament that um, final that a South African team has made. So congratulations to those guys. And even in that, so. They they restricted Australia to one fifty six. Considering the, the power they had at their disposal, you would say that that's that's a good bowling effort. That's oh, look, a really good bowling Shemim effort. Shamim as Ishmael was superb. She's been probably one of the standout bowlers, if not the standout bowler of the entire tournament. Probably the quickest female bowler in the world at this particular point in time. She did bowl an over during the. I'm not sure it was during the semi final. Um, that was the fastest over ever bowled by a woman in a in a World Cup, which is pretty impressive. You know, she's averaging was averaging about seventy eight to uh, between seventy eight and eighty miles an hour for the entire over. She's got Anderson covered with that. Well, surely, yeah, that's that's pretty good going, man. That's, yeah. that's pushing one hundred and thirty k's an hour, man. A little bit more. But even even in that final, they every time Australia looked like. Getting a bit of momentum where they're going to put on a really big score. Yeah. South Africa pegged them back. So, um, yeah. yeah, they kept Healy. Like Healy was 18 off 20, which is not a great return for her. The only one that really got away was Mooney, and that was towards the end. Ash Gardner, they sent in at three. She, 29 off 21. But everyone else was basically a runner ball. 
And they just they just kept the brakes on and let, never let Australia get away. Yeah, I always feel like Australia think, but if we've got 150, where we you're not going to really, but you're not really that much of a chance to beat us. Yeah. So um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I if, if you've restricted enough. us to 150, then like we're yeah. gonna back ourselves to get you out for 120. Yeah. Like. And I actually thought though, well, you know, we're about, except for Volvo getting 60. They were probably lucky to get as close as what they did, really. She she easily could have been out in the mid-20s. Yeah, and that was like, I was 150. I was like, that's impressive, but I never had that point of we're in trouble here. It yeah. was just like, well, if we're, if we're if they're restricting us to one to one, 160, then yeah. our bowlers will do a job here and yeah, we'll be fine. Exactly. Um, and, yeah, Wolvart stood up and, and did her best to try and get them home. She's um, a very, very good player. She's very nice on the eye to watch, man. Gee, she plays some nice shots. And she hits the ball hard too, yeah. really hard. And there was of, there was a point. Girls are hitting the ball really hard these days, man. I, well, I think we really need to start be talking about the size of their boundaries because, quite frankly, most of them are con- comfortably clearing boundaries that are well set in for them. Obviously, being women, it'd be interesting to see them playing on the same size boundaries like in a men's BBL game. Do you think? And I don't want to be disrespectful, I think, because there is a disparity in the fielding ability of of, uh, of women across the whole international game, that yeah. maybe it's not so much hitting the ball to the boundary, but it's getting the ball back from the boundary as well might be a part of that. They don't want to see, you know, too many relay throws in an international game yeah, might be look, part of it as well. That's a, that's a pretty re- – that's a, not a bad observation, actually, because, I mean, it's only really <sighs> – you don't expect a woman to be able to throw a cricket ball as far as a man, and to expect it, that is just ridiculous. Oh, and there are plenty. That, there are plenty that can. Please don't yeah. get me wrong, oh, thinking yeah, yeah, that, that, yeah, that they're yeah. physically incapable. But, I but can... as a as a general rule, yeah, as a general rule, we don't really want to see women having a you know a forty and a thirty meter throw to get back to the to the keeper. So, um, as a, a relatively good observation, I would suggest. Like I, I've seen at least Perry throw a cricket ball, and it'd take me three or four goes here to go that far. Oh, so yeah, there are yeah, definitely there yes, is definitely um, not a rule. But yeah, I've also seen some in the W, yeah, the WBL, the WBBL, and yeah. um, and the international World Cups, where you're just like, mm, yep, yeah. there's 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 one on that arm for yeah, sure, absolutely. <laughs> um, but uh, no, it it it's is really encouraging. How quickly the game is is progressing, and how seriously the ICC, and then by extension the um, the associations, the associations are taking it and putting resources into it, and um, and, and it's a very watchable product. Oh, look, um, and if you compare, it, like, if you're talking about technique, skill level, the only thing that if you really wanted to be critical about anything to do with women's cricket is the power. And the, the pace of the ball through the air from a fast bowler. That's the difference. That's it. If you if you can appreciate really good cricket, good technique, good shot making, great bowling, good skills, they're good at all. They yeah. do it all. They do it better than some guys. Because I, and I, again, not wanting to be disrespectful, I'm a bit of a basketball fan and I just cannot watch the WNBA. It just, I don't know what it is. I'm just not interested. I go and watch, like, 
I think the last time I was remotely interested in watching uh, women's basketball was when Lauren Jackson was playing. Yeah. Um, and then I try and sit down and like I'll watch the the Opals game, the Olympics, and I'll get halfway through and just go, this is just it's just not doing it for me. It's yeah. not doing it for me. Um, yeah, I'll I'll stick it out through like important games, like medal games and things like that. But overall, I'm just like, oh, I just like, I'd just much rather watch the NBA or much rather watch the NBL in Australia or yeah. you know the men's game. It just I don't know. I go in with an open mind, but I just women's cricket though. I've, at no point am I sitting there thinking, "Man, I just really wish I could just watch the blokes play." Like I just, I'm so engrossed mm. watching be it the w, WBBL or the Australian Women's T20 or One Days or, or World Cups. I'm sitting there perfectly content watching it. Um, and at no point, at no point, longing going. I just wish I could watch the blokes play because this mm. is rubbish. Like mm. it's completely a comparative product. Yeah. And um, the interesting thing was I um, actually watched the final of the um, national one-day competition for the women the other day the, where Tasmania got five wickets in the last over to beat to beat South Australia. Um, I watched a fair bit of that game. And that game, even though that's the level down from like the Australian team, there's some very, very good players running around in that at the moment too. And you can see the development and how many of them were 20, 21, 22, 19. You know, sure, surrounded by older heads like Elise Villani and stuff like that who are at the end of their careers. But this is going to be – we may have a golden generation of female cricketers at the moment. When is that generation going to end? Because, quite frankly, I can't see it coming to an end anytime soon. Yeah, there's there's a lot of infrastructure in place to keep that production line production line going. And because I don't want to say a novelty because it's not, but it just seems to be there's there's far more momentum getting you know, yeah. a big drive to get more and more women and, <laughs> and girls involved in it. So, whereas I think that. There's, there's a lot of there's a lot, a lot of great lot of role models to have for a lot of these girls coming through too. One of the greatest sporting teams in in this country's history. Yeah, as they're your role models. And I think too, with the difference between the, the the girls' game and the boys' game, is there's so many established men's sports. There's soccer. There's basketball. There's hockey. There's several different types of of football. You know, yeah. all these things. And so when you're growing up, you're you're really spoilt for choice because you can go in and there's it's all plastered everywhere. And I think for the moment, because Cricket, largely as a, a good quality, widely accessible, um, which is what I was talking about earlier about keeping your sport accessible. You can e- quite easily see, you know, the WBBL is quite accessible. The the women's cricket is quite accessible on TV. So there's less, like, you don't, girls you don't growing up. For it. Girls are growing up, and basically they've got um, w- uh, women's AFL yeah. or women's cricket. And and they're the, the big sporting icons flashed in their face all the time. So there's just everyone's like, well, I want to be like Elise Perry. I want to be like Talia. Women's Mara. rugby I want to be league. Like, Women's rugby it, league has a state of origin. It's starting, but I think because cricket was the like the number, and it's only what two or three years, four years, I think maybe at the outside that it's been really broadcast to any great, um, you know, exposure. Yeah. Whereas women's cricket has been really pushed for quite a while, and I think that's really reaping the the, the rewards. Cricket has get got in on the ground level and said, like, there is half the population here that we're just ignoring. Let's go and get after these and really put in the hard work, get in and on the ground floor, put all these uh, methods in place to to develop women's cricket. And um, and I think yeah, all these young girls growing up have just seen. 
you know, Elise Perry, seeing Megan shoot, seeing Alyssa, Alyssa Healy, Healy yeah. and, and wanting to... Meg Lanning. And so, you know, whereas boys growing up, you know, have got Messi and Ronaldo or they've got, um, you know, Clark and Smith and and Brett Lee and they've got um, Andrew Johns or well, a bit old, but, you know, like yeah. you know, Jonathan Thurston, they've got footballers and cricketers yeah. and all this vying for their attention, whereas it's sort of... Cricketers sort of just got this funnel and they're like, we've got in early, we're just going to capture all of the good girl athletes, female athletes, and and that's what we're getting. We're getting this really big depth. So um, it's been great to see. And it's good to see that because I think, I don't want to pat ourselves on the back too much, but I think largely because of the success that Australia and England have had, that's then prompted the ICC to go, let's more of this, please, with yeah. women's cricket, which has then obviously then turned into, you know, we said the USA for having almost no cricket exposure in their country mm-hmm. is they're a really good under-19s women's team. You know, yeah. they've got, you know, Pakistan, Bangladesh, these teams all coming through, you know, playing yeah. playing women's cricket at a, at a, at a, at a really impressive level considering yeah. the amount of time they've dedicated to the game. Mm-hmm. Look, it's a game, and I mean, the, thing, the beauty about cricket is that Anybody with some basic coaching skill can teach pretty much anybody how to play the game. It's not that hard. So the fact that the skills are very coachable makes it just the number one sport as a coach for starters because you don't need to be a top level. I mean, I played no Highland second grade cricket in Sydney or, you know, first grade cricket on the Gold Coast. I can still go and teach somebody who's never played cricket before how to play cricket. And that's the beauty of the game. It's an accessible game. You can basically teach somebody very quickly in five minutes how the basics of the game work. And then if they want to run with that, that's great. But that's all it really takes, five to ten minutes to run through how to hold a bat, what you're trying to do, how to hold a ball, how to let it go. And everybody knows how to pick a ball up and throw it. Mm. Can you imagine a couple more years of... You know, WBBL, 100, WPL, just how exciting the next few World Cups are going to be. Oh, I think it's um, going to be. The Women's World Cup is probably going to be just a, a, on a par as exciting and as competitive as what the Men's World Cup will be. I, th- I think I think you're right. I think for a while Australia is going to be like, it's going to be like the, the West Indies yeah. of old. They're going to be, everyone's playing for second for the time being. But I would love to see... Yeah, the depth of what's behind really start to tighten up and go. Well, I think Australia and India they're going to be the two yeah. two big heavyweights. England obviously be right behind there, but then you know fourth place or third place even. I mean, at the moment South Africa you'd say they made the final; they're in third place. But you know, third and fourth really would like to see half a dozen teams yeah. genuinely vying off for, for third and fourth. Yeah. Um, and and I can see that happening with with the right resources deployed in the right areas. So absolutely, it's um really great to see. All right, so that's our World Cup coverage done. And uh, yep, uh, you guessed it. The last thing we're going to touch on before we we go today is uh, <laughs> finally we've finally won one. Here we go, Ryan Harris. First wicket with the first ball of the innings. 
you've been following my uh, mini-pods that I'd going on, you'll be aware that we won the third Border Gavaskar test. We've got the series back to 2-1, and we have officially qualified for the World Test Championship final. So, finally, finally, the series in India is starting to turn around and, and go our way a little bit. It's, we're finally getting some good news, as Well, the thing about the whole, the whole thing is that India... What I the most joy I got out of this was that we beat them at their own game. Yeah, we played the way that India would play on that wicket. We played smart. We had a couple of guys who got in and got some hard runs, and our bowlers were just supreme. We were very critical of Nathan Lyon after the first test. Oh look, I'll, um, I'll jump all, on that grenade. All is all is forgiven. He oh, was absolutely all, all is forgiven. He he was awful in that first test. I thought rubbish. he was pedestrian yeah. at best, as you give him was pedestrian. Yeah. Since that point, I have not seen Nathan Lyon ever bowl better. No, he's been he's been supreme. Um, I, His he control was, is just outstanding. But not only that, he, he got too much in the habit of I don't want to go for runs. Yeah. Whereas in the next two tests, he was like, I'm getting these guys out. And would just persist on that line, yeah. where and I think that was the big thing with you know when he when he's not at his best in the subcontinent, he's playing too much on drying it up and yeah. not being threatened. By drying it up, he's not being threatening, and just teams wait on him and wait on him and wait yeah. on him, and they eventually bowl that straight one looking for something. And they'll yeah. whip him off the on the fair hips. This for the last two games, he has been relentlessly just living in that. If you don't play this right, you will get out. Yeah, if you're he and around the wicket has been a revelation. Like we know he likes to bowl around the wicket, but I'm critical of him at times for doing it for that exact point. He's trying to draw the runs up, and I just milk him, just knock him around the corner. He's not producing a threat. He was challenging both edges bowling around the wicket in the last two tests. In the last test in indoor, I reckon you could have laid a handkerchief down where he was landing the ball and it was always threatening the top of off and middle stump. It was always yeah. coming back to that. He was forcing them to play. Yeah. And the big thing on that wicket, because before we go too much further, what an absolute travesty. That wicket was. If that does, I, I, has it been given a rating yet? I haven't checked. Yeah, it had it to have been, been given a poor been, rating. Yeah, absolutely deserved a poor rating. It's one of the worst wickets. If it was if if someone got the only reason it wasn't unfit is because it was not dangerous. Like it yeah. wasn't spitting up. Like if a, it was, it is one of the worst decks I've ever seen. Well, I think they really outsmarted themselves because they they clearly overcooked it. And you know they thought, well, we'll bat first. I mean, they kind of got they got themselves into trouble because I think because the game started a little bit earlier that there was a little bit there in the wicket. Just know? on that, not, not with not every, the same movement, but there was a little bit of every pitch that we've gone. Doesn't matter what day it is, there always seems to be a, or how old the ball is. There always seems to be a bit in the morning, yeah. considering that. In all likelihood, we're going to get another raging turner. Would this be a? Would you consider? winning the toss and bowling first to see if you could just give him a real big gut punch in the first half hour and knock over four or five and get him really on the back foot, knowing that it'll get much easier to bat later in the day? Yeah, well, the thing is... It's kind of like... If we, we, um, we look at this pitch in indoor, it didn't get bat easy to bat in the, at, in, during the day. It didn't get easy to bat at any stage during the game at all. Oh, I'd say it got marginally easier, not a great deal. It wasn't because of the wicket, it was because of the softness of the ball. 
Okay, like if you're able to if you're able to able to persist for forty or fifty overs like Australia was in the first innings and get some runs on the board, that was that's like cold. India blew it in their first innings because I think they they realised oh what have that, we done that here? That Sharma dismissal yeah. was 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 really was it's out of character. Like waving the white flag like that that's something that we would do. Yeah. Like why is the Indian captain charging down the wicket in the seventh over of the game? That was a big psychological blow to to the Australians because he I reckon that the Indian batsmen have been out there for a couple of overs and gone oh look at this. We, there's one with our name on us that we don't get on with this now. We need to get 150, 200 as quick as we can. And that's how they played. The only one who played with any real purpose and, and conviction was Coley. He looked very good. Todd Murphy seemed to be... Axar Patel, I thought, especially in the second innings, looked like he was in... I, think he, I would have been furious yeah. if I was Axar Patel with the way that Siraj got out the second, knowing that, like... Ten runs could make a huge difference yeah. um, in this game. If we manage to hang around and I can hit a quick fire 20, 30, just yeah. you know, doing my thing, and then you go and charge down and get cleaned up middle stump. By a pace bowler. Yeah. Yeah, it's like... No, it was, was it a pace? No, it was... Yeah, no, it was a pace bowler. I'm sure it was Stark. He charged him and, and got cleaned up. No, I thought it was Lyon that ended up getting him. Was it? Yeah, I think Lyon got him. He come down the wicket trying to well, smack that's Lyon back Stark over his head. Stark had, what's his name? Jadeja, wasn't it? No, not Jadeja. Who was it he had caught at mid-wicket? Um, Pajara, I think. No, Pajara in the second inning. No, never mind. We're waffling. <laughs> anyway, we'll get our facts straight and be right back to you. No, we're joking. Um, yeah, but all of these things happen in the game. We just have hazy recollections of them at points. It's what happens when we take too long to go and... Um... Yes. Go and get our, our ducks in a row and do what we're supposed to be doing. Uh, but no, it was um, uh, a fan, a fantastic test for Australia. And, and how how I imagined when they're saying that we've got all these preparations and plans and stuff, this is how Australia was going to go about it. And it's just really upsetting that it took two dress rehearsals and two awful dress rehearsals to um, to get it right. Though, as I talked about in the, in the mini pod, it, it's... Um, one thing is that Australia belongs in India. They're a team that is good enough to win a series in India. We we were so close, so close to getting that second test. We were a lot closer than India would like to admit. But we just do our job with the bat. We win that game in the Border Gavaskar series is now out. Like we're well, not ours. We're we're in the box seat. A drawn series, they retain it, but we're two one up as opposed to two one down. Um, our bowlers have kept us in games. Our bowling attack is good enough to win over in India, and it's now the fact that we need the batsman to knuckle down and do their job. Um, And I think in this one, I've been saying it for all year, literally all year, um, Travis Head should open over in India. He's finally got to go, and and, and that's it. That's the the blueprint. You get him in there, he saw off a bit of the tough bit, and, like, it did look like a, a... a deer on ice skates at the beginning. I thought, oh, God, Ashwin's going to get him at any point. But he sort of settled in. He found his groove. And then once he was happy, he just went after Ashwin. And I think Ashwin went five overs for seven runs and then went the next four overs for 30 or 40 or something like that. Like, Ashwin's head just got stuck into him. The the thing is about Ashwin is Ashwin is used to dominating left-handers. And he doesn't take well. He, He takes it very personally. If he's not setting you up for the boundary, if you're getting a boundary off a ball he doesn't want you to get a boundary off, it annoys him. 
And Head was doing that to him, and you could see with Ashwin, all of a sudden the, the trajectory got a little bit flatter, he wasn't spinning it as hard, and he wasn't as much of a fret. He wasn't fretting both edges of the bat. And I think the big thing, so Carey got him a few times in the first test with the reverse sweep, but Ashwin knew that if he's going to play reverse sweeps, he's going to get out at some point. And he had a plan for it. I'll just throw it down his leg side, he won't be able to reach it, and I'll bowl him or get him LBW, which is what he did. Travis Head wasn't... was. You know, was playing Ashwin's good balls yeah. and playing them very conventionally. And yeah. when you do that, it's very difficult then to, all right, I'm bowling straight because I want to attack the pads and he's just hit me back over my head. I throw it wider and he's flayed me through the covers. Um, you, know, you know, so it was. And it all happens very, very quickly with Travis Head. You know, that can all happen in the space of three or four balls. All of a sudden, if he's 16 runs and you go, well, how did that happen? And, and I haven't bowled badly. He got an absolute ripper. Third morning of the second test, um, but all before that, he was playing Ashwin very well. Yeah. And same in this test, he's come back um, and he's played Ashwin very, very well. Like if we've we've been critical of Travis Head. We've said that his his play of spin bowling has not been up to scratch, and whatever he's done in the meantime, um, it's worked. And it's almost he hasn't surely hasn't just come up with this strategy between the first test and now. So he must have been playing with this sort, same sort of yeah. you know, you know, game plan in mind. How he missed that first test is becoming even more and more laughable. Yeah, well, I still, I still find it hard for me to reconcile that I wasn't unhappy that it happened, that he was left out of the first test because it showed me they had a very clear game plan of this type player they wanted to take the new guy who could score runs consistently on slow decks, on spinning decks. Um. I think the guy who who replaced him, Hanscom, has been excellent. Yep. he's been one of the one of the one of the players of the tour. But Head has obviously just said, "Well, you know what? I don't care if it's spinning. I don't care if it's seaming. I'm going to see ball hit ball." And in that frame of mind, and in the form that he's in, he's just devastating. Yeah, it's um, yeah, he's locked himself down that he is going. Yeah. Wherever Australia go, Travis Head will be involved in the side. There, there's no more. He'll he'll go to England. Obviously, he will go to. Um, he'll obviously be a big part of Australia. He's now um, got himself sorted as uh, a yeah someone who could he, he can fashion a way of succeeding um, in the subcontinent conditions now. So there's no real chinks in his armor at this point, which is which has been it's good to see. It's good to see that he's. You know he's been given a, a kick up the ass, and it's and it's come good. Yeah, um, I do feel a little bit sorry for uh, Renshaw. He, I personally think he's been thrown to the wolves in the, in the last in the last six months. To be quite honest, yeah, I, I would agree. To be fair though, I, I don't think Renshaw did himself any favours. I mean, he was he got in for the first test. They gave him a crack, and he didn't really play well. Um, he came in again for, for David Warner and again didn't play well. So we had two cracks at it and it wasn't just simply he got unlucky. He, no. he, he His game plan to succeed wasn't no, what it wasn't, needed to be. Yeah, so right. um, so in this like, this is one of the cases it sucks for him but at the same token we're losing and he's playing badly. Yeah. Um, so while I feel for him but this is probably a, a hell of his own making this particular one. He was brought in for Sydney they've retained him for the very next test um, they did drop him, but they brought him straight back in as a con- uh, as a concussion thing. And in in all of those chances, so those those four digs that he had, yeah. he didn't do the right. Well, three digs that he had, he didn't do the right thing. Yeah. And then 
you know, it's some something had to give way. And unfortunately, when you've you know, Hanscom was on the chopping block, you're not going to get rid of him. Head was coming in for it, so um, Renshaw is the only guy that realistically could move. So um, I hope I'm really hoping now that we that people are starting to have some serious conversations about David Warner's future because we have now seen that he's replaceable in India. I d- I'm dreading taking him to England. Honestly, I, I don't see how his position is tenable at the moment. No, neither like, do I. He's, his form has been scratchy. Yeah. He's going somewhere where he, like, honestly, if I was if I was David Warner, I'd be thinking to myself, maybe I just tell him I'm unavailable for the World Cup and I just go and find any county to give me a gig. Someone give me a run and just try and score some runs in England. Yeah. Um, to I, put him I to just this, can't see guys like... Robinson and Broad. Anderson, look, I think the thing that worries Warner more than anything in England is the seam movement. It's not so much the swing. Swing is fairly oh, predictable. Broad, when Broad will eat him for breakfast. That ball that, that, that Shammy got him out with yeah. in in the first test, that's all he's going to get. And it's yeah. going to be moving a mile. Like, I just I cannot see how... This version of David Warner, who like he's just getting things technically incorrect. His feet are nowhere. His hands aren't keeping up with his or his eyes aren't keeping up with his hands. He doesn't look like he's a threat. Even in Australia, he looked like he was a yeah. chance to get out every ball. How is this going to be any better when he gets to England? Like I really, we know the selectors are going to stick with their guns and they'll pick him because he it's a legacy series for him. And I hope that he's just he he, he figures it out and has a, a, a swan song. But I just can't see this being anything other than a, and a disaster for him. And now, we've, and now we've, as I said, now we've seen that we can succeed without him as, a, as an opener, okay? And we put in a, a makeshift opener, okay, based on his skill set and what he brings to the team. And, and look, we're, now we're 2-1 back in the series. Warner hasn't been missed. Um, I just don't see that there's a future in, in the test... I don't see him in – if we were taking a squad and we needed to take a reserve opening batsman, we're not taking Warner to England, surely. Oh, surely Cam Bancroft's got to be that man. Yeah. You know, look at the season he's had. I, I would – you know, as, as poorly as Renshaw did play, he does have quite a, a strong uh, county yeah. resume under him. So I'd have absolutely no yeah. qualms whatsoever with our opening batsman to be Renshaw and yeah. Kwaja for oh, the first no, Ashes no test. Or it, by the same token, again, um, Cam Bancroft has had some a lot of success recently. Well, not even recently. It's been a couple of years now in domestic cricket. Um, and has I would an have outstanding record in England. I would have, um, well, probably maybe not test level, but... Um, oh, no, look, he's, I'm talking about his county record. His county record is like he's averaging over 50. Um, I'd have no problem with Bancroft jumping that and Renshaw being the reserve. Like I just, yeah, yeah. I just cannot see, other than... Faith, why we're giving Warner a spot? Yeah, like his performances don't demand it. It's it's like we're giving it to him because we feel that he's owed it, or we've got faith that he'll come but good. Why, like that's but that's why is he owed it? That's what I mean. Like no one's owed anything. Exactly, like, the game owes you nothing. Of course. Um, so uh, uh, this is one of the, the pl- positives that's come out of the India series for me is that surely now we're we're talking about the end of David Warner's Test career. And if he wants to kick on in the one days and T20s, well, that's entirely up to him. If they find a spot for him there, that's great. But in the in the real gear, in the in the Tesla arena, I don't believe he has a future. He should have. He honestly should have retired at Sydney. 
Yeah, just off the back. Wasn't it the ideal time? Off the the back of a double hundred, his home test. um, You know what? It'd be hundred. His hundred and first test match. um, Just. You know, you know, like I said, he was on a hiding to nothing. Like he was probably going to fail in in, in India. He's probably going to fail in England, yeah. and then he's dragging out. And he wants to play the next home one as well. It's now, now it's time. So um, the good thing about this is, and I mean the other pluses is, is all of a sudden we've got some depth in the spin bowling department, haven't we? Yeah, well, um, it was a wicket that's going to make most spinners look good, but I just but I love the you can still got to do the business on it. Um, the, wicket will, the wicket will spin, okay, but you've got to put it in the right place to get it to the right place to get wickets. Coonan was outstanding on that first morning. Yeah. Did he bowl a bad ball in his first six overs or so? I don't think he did. I don't think so. He was just outstanding. He was he was a little less effective in the in the, the third innings. I thought that there were times, where, especially where he was dragging the ball down. Yeah, he was a little bit short, a little bit too short, I thought. Um, but, really trying to get that one to rip and grab yeah. the, the shoulder of the bat. Yeah. Um, a few a few things that I, I didn't like. I didn't like how slow Hanscom and Green were at the start of the the um, of the morning when they came out. Yeah. thought they probably could have batted with a little more impetus because they were out there for quite a while but weren't really threatening to score. And it was a game where you know yeah, every that, every run every run really matters. Yeah. Um, well, it turned out that the person, the people who batted with the most intent made the most runs on this weekend, didn't yeah. they? And and Hanscom certainly has the technique to survive over in in India. And he got an unlucky one where uh, like it just it, it was a classic off spinner around the wicket to a right hander. He's played the line. It's jagged back, caught the inside edge, gone to bat pad. You you, you cop that. But if he was just looking at, to be a little more assertive, he probably could have added 10, 15 runs maybe to his just knocking singles around. But he was just perfectly happy just dead batting everything and surviving. And I thought, yeah. just we need to be just pressuring them a little bit more. Um, Cam Green was horrifically unlucky. And this is honestly one of the worst umpired games that I have ever witnessed in my life. Have we had so uh, – I mean – it, I think in one day we had five incorrect decisions from the same umpire. I, I have no issues with well, – it's a hard wicket to get to to get right. If you're being overturned, you're being overturned. What I hate about it was the fact that Cam Green had everything going against that being given out. He was a tall man. He's well forward. It's hit him on the thigh, and the ball is obviously tailing down. You can see all three stumps. Like, that should have been given not out on field. It just – just kiss the stumps, the leg stump, and yeah. to give an umpire's call. And he's given that out. Bang, giving it out. Nathan Lyon has hit a bunch of guys dead square in front a number of times, given not out, and the Aussies are forced. Like, one of them was so farcical that Smith was angrily laughing at the not out, and he's just like, no, we're not even talking about it. Don't come near me. We're reviewing that. That's yeah. garbage. Yeah. And, and the fact that he's given Cam Green's out, and not the Australian ones, is just absolutely diabolical. One of two things happened. He's either a, an awful umpire. One of three things happened, I think. He's an awful umpire and should be reprimanded severely because it was obviously ones that you should have been giving either not out or out on the field. He's on the take and was trying to orchestrate an Indian victory. <laughs> That's controversial. Um, or... And I think I think this is the most likely one is that he is allowing the situation of the game to determine his decisions. Being that when for Cameron Green's appeal, India had no reviews left, 
So he's decided that, all right, India have no reviews, so if I give it out, Australia can review it, and if it's wrong, it'll get overturned. But India is in no position to overturn my incorrect decision, so I'll go with the fact that Australia has that resources in the bank, which is why if you do, if you're going to allow umpires to umpire like that, you cannot have umpires call in DRS because they're not making their calls based solely on what objectively has happened in front of them. Mm-hmm. They're allowing other circumstances to influence that. And when you have the, the like, it must have just been a frayed bit of leather and the DRS picked that up and that's tough. Like, it's unbelievable that that's managed to and, hit. And, 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 like, apparently DRS has a, a margin of error built into it. If the, if the touch was so fine on the DRS review to say, yeah, that's out because of umpire's call, where's the margin of error there? Well, well, the margin, the margin, of, the margin is already built into the margin that, of error. That's got it to yeah, that, that's why it was umpire's call. The margin of error is if it hits within this these parameters, it stays with the on-field umpire's decision, no. be it out or not out. No. And it shouldn't be that. It should just be everyone. This is DRS, okay? It out of a thousand, you can't tell me that a system of cameras and sensors specifically designed to do predictive ball tracking is less accurate than a pensioner 25 metres away getting one look at it at full speed. Like, we're all like, we have to go by the umpire because DRS isn't perfect. What a load of absolute garbage. You tell an old man from 25 metres away is better than a system of cameras specifically designed to do this particular job. Yeah. Of course it's not going to be 100% accurate. It's predicting the future. But if you tell everybody, this is the system we have. If ball tracking says that the teeniest, tiniest little bit of that ball is pitching in line and hitting in line, you are out. If you want to review it, you need a green box. It needs to be outside the line or it needs to be missing the stumps. And if everyone plays like that, you cannot have a review system that gives two different outcomes. And that's what umpire's call does. Your review system needs to give you black and white. Mm-hmm. And that's what it is. And I don't want to have people coming up and be going, oh, just, you might as well get rid of umpires. No, you allow to have human error. Human error is fine, but when you have a system designed to minimise human error, you can't allow human error to, to, to make that fallible. So if you run out of reviews, then yes, you are stuck with the umpires. If they get it wrong, then they're wrong. But if you've got a, a limited amount of reviews at hand, then those reviews should be giving you a concrete black and white yes, no answer. Yeah. So they need to get rid of umpires call and just play whatever ball tracking says in front of them, and that's it. And then if you and you don't have reviews retained. So that way you're not getting to the fact that, oh, well, every decision is being reviewed, so there's no point having umpires. It needs to be missing. And so most umpires hopefully are in the realm that if they're, most of their decisions should be umpires' call. So that we'd be hitting the stumps or missing. So if you're getting it wrong then and you're blowing reviews, you only get three of them. Mm-hmm. And if you blow reviews and they're all... They're all backing up what the umpire says with an umpire's what would be umpire's call now. Yeah. Then they're gone. Yeah. It's not missing or it is hitting. Like so, that review's gone. So you're not going to get this situation where every decision is going to be reviewed and the umpire becomes obsolete because you keep the minimum ones, and you don't get to retain them. Mm-hmm. And if you don't get to retain them, then you need to be using that to make because right now people are using it, going, "I'll oh, we'll have a review and maybe we'll get lucky." No, at worst it'll be umpire's call and we'll keep it. Yeah. Whereas this one. If they've only got three 
and it's a chance they, they give it out or not out and they're like, oh, it's pretty close. What are we going to do? They're probably not going to review it because they don't want to lose it for that time when there really is a, just an absolutely garbage one they miss. Mm-hmm. So you actually end up getting less reviews and more of the umpire doing what's required because teams will be too gun-shy if you have a system like this. You're not actually disadvantaging the umpires. You're actually, it'll, in the long run, the game will be more officiated by umpires. And, and the thing about all, all of this as well is that the umpire, the umpiring standard in the game was so poor and so many decisions went to review that eventually, because of that flaw in the system you've just pointed out, there was always going to be a controversial incident. Mm. Poor old Cam Green. I mean, that's not missing the top of leg stuff. I seriously, the guy's about seventeen foot eleven. If they reviewed, and it hit him halfway up his thigh. If India really? had the balls to review that, if it was given not out on the field, and they had the balls to review it, and the um, and thing said, "Yep, it's grazing the top of yeah. legs, the top of leg bail." Great. It'd suck, but all right. Well, good on you. That's a ballsy review. It's out. But what what annoys me more about that is that was given out which stayed out when Cam Green quite rightly went, well, it's hit me on the thigh and I'm how far forward am I? And it stayed out, whereas the ones that that um, Australia had should have been given out on field and weren't. So where is the consistency? And that's well, why if your umpires cannot be 100% consistent because they're not machines. They're taking in what they feel is through all their input. So when there's so many variables in place the system designed to protect against the umpires getting it wrong cannot be influenced by those variables. It just needs to be as black and white as you make it. Snicker, is there a spike on Snicker? Yes, no. You're out or not out? It's, it's black and white, hotspot. Is there, you know, are you over the line or behind the line? It's yes, no. Yeah. LBW is the only one that seems to have this, what, what, depending on what the umpire says, you can get the same ball doing two different things. And that is impossible. The same ball, the ball does one thing. So we need to keep going because otherwise I'll rant on this all night and there's other things to talk about. But, yeah, the the, the umpire's call for the LBW DRS is a joke, an absolute joke. And what happened to Cam Green and to Nathan Lyon multiple times throughout that test is why it's a joke because for whatever reason possessed him to give Cam Green's out, He's not applying the same benefit to other bowlers who obviously looked more out but gave it not out. So, Well, the one that Steve Smith ran up and just was like shaking his head and going, mate, really? You know, that was so plumb. Oh. It was just farcical. How are you not thinking that's... And we, we got the advantage of it as well. Ashwin had Labashane stone cold plumb in the first innings and they didn't review it because they'd already burnt two on... Jadasia's. Yeah. But, like, that's one that should have been given out live. Like, that was, no. like, I don't know how that wasn't given out live. And it would have, and I don't think Labashane would have reviewed it if it was. Like, he no. probably would have walked off. Like, it was, it's just, the umpiring was farcical yeah, it was in this game. Very, very poor. But from both ends. From yeah. Both ends. It, Joel, Joel it, Wilson was just as poor as Nitton Menon. Oh, yeah. no, Joel Wilson was way poorer than Menon, but. Neither of them held themselves up to any great standard, but Wilson was Wilson was borderline criminal. Like I would be, if I was the ICC, I'd be going. You guys can do like investigations of tax records and shit, right? When it's tax time, I want to see if there's any hidden money in his account from this da- this week because like it was it was so bad. Like sure, 
Sure, he's not on the take, but God, questions need to be asked after a performance like that. It was awful. Well, clearly there's a there's a big difference in standard between the very best umpires that we're used to seeing in the, in the very best games, and guys like him. You know, like I, I understand that we don't have to have the the we got to have one neutral umpire or, or whatever it happens to be, whatever the rules are now, but. Um, if we can have one, surely we want to have the best. I think they've both got to be neutral umpires now, don't they? They had um, one neutral when well, COVID was in. Well, isn't Nick Because you can't. Nick Mannon's an Indian umpire. Was well, he? I thought he was South African. Is he? I could be wrong. I'm not sure. But, um, yeah, like. Just and, bit... Joe, and Joe, Joe Wilson's from the West Indies or something, isn't he? Yes. Yeah, so I, I, I just don't see why, if we have the option to have one. Um, Sorry, he is, he is Indian. Oh, my mistake. If we have the option to have one neutral umpire, why don't we have the very best, like a kettleborough or somebody like that? There, depending on what they're doing, they might have been already booked to do other ones. We've got, we've had two test series go. Oh, kettleborough. No, he's a video is he, umpire, he, isn't he? Is it, it was he the video umpire? I think so, Richard Kettleborough. Well, I mean, that, yeah, that, lot, that, that in itself of... is a joke. When we've got that standard of umpiring in the field and the best umpire in the world up in the video box, that's just ludicrous. Yeah, it's um. But anyway, moving on from that, we've got a little bit more to cover before we go. Um, but no, it was. It's great to see Australia back in the series again. It's great to see that when Australia get in there and apply some pressure, uh, and I think India's got to be rattled a little bit that Australia basically folded in front of them for the first two and then uh, as quick as a coin flip Australia has come out and done exactly the same to them so I think they're going to be a, they'll be a little bit um, relieved that they've already locked the series up but I don't think they expected Australia to bounce back I don't think they rate have rated our spin attack with you know like the, sure the two rookies have been um, out of nowhere, but haven't they been outstanding? I think Todd Murphy, easily the find of the tour, and even though he didn't get the rewards in the third test, he created a lot of pressure. Yeah, didn't go for a lot of runs. In, in fairness, um, I think it was Rohit Sharma saying that Nathan Lyon is, is the best foreign spinner that he's faced. Yeah. So I think the players are uh, um, recognising Lyon's ability. I don't necessarily know if the establishment was had much faith in the Australian bowling attack, but I think that... Um, you know, the the opposition players certainly respect Nathan Lyon's ability when he gets it right. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a big shift, and hopefully Australia carries the momentum in here. And um, I think Sri Lanka will be going for for us to at least draw the test, if not win it, because that keeps their hopes of. Um, qualifying for the World Test Championship final alive. Very, it's, very, very slim. But it requires chance. them winning both games against New Zealand. In New Zealand. In New it? Zealand, yes. which will be um, well, a hard task, no um, doubt. They kept their very proud record going with that wonderful test win that they had the other day too. How long has it been since they've lost a test series in New Zealand? Oh, it's, we're talking, we're, it's getting back quite a few years now. So they've managed to keep that record going. I just can't say the Sri Lankans really troubling the Kiwis in that. So I, I think we're pretty much booked in that in Australia, India. So this, if we can win this one, it'll be essentially the fifth test of the series. Yeah, on a neutral on, venue. On a neutral venue that might just actually suit us. Yeah. It's at, at the Oval too, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And I think so, you'd have all things being considered, we'd probably back ourselves to beat India at the Oval. I think we'll go with our free quicks plus green and, and Nathan Lyon, and that will be a pretty handy attack against them on that type of wicket. Yes, absolutely. So uh, I, 
Now, unfortunately, Pat Cummins has uh, been give, is not returning for the fourth test. Um, his mother is still uh, very, very ill in palliative care. So all of our uh, best wishes heading out to the, the Pat and his family. It must be a very difficult time for them. Um, and the side will, will be skippered by Steve Smith again for the fourth test. So we can't imagine there being any changes to the squad. I think we, we've forgotten over the over the course of time what a brilliant captain he can actually be. It wasn't he outstanding? He pulled all the right reins. He was absolutely brilliant. Now, and, it, it wasn't... and that catch of, uh, that he took off... Um, oh, my God. Oh, the, the catch that you off um, um, Pajara. I um I went and dragged Amy out of bed. Come and look at this replay. This is amazing. <laughs> I'm sure she was thrilled. Um, oh, she was still awake. Yeah. She just was letting me watch the cricket. But yeah. yeah, I was just like, you need to come and look at this. This is this is the best thing I've ever seen. <laughs> um, I do want to give out. We have been critical of him with the bat. Alex Carey has been superb behind the stumps. He really has cemented, oh, almost cemented, faultless. cemented his place as a number one keeper for Australia. And considering the depth of talent coming up behind him, that's some, saying something because we've got a demonstration today of the, his heir apparent or his, his deputy, Josh Inglis, showing us what he can do. Um, Kerry's been brilliant. Oh, absolutely. He has been. He does absolutely. need to come up with a new game plan to succeed with the bat. Yeah. But he he's almost he's keeping well enough that I'd happily bat him at ten. Yeah. If he was that, if he just couldn't get it right, was the, keeping like that but couldn't bat, I'd bat him at ten just so I could keep him in the side and keep. Yeah. The confidence that, he, that he's demonstrated, you can see it growing as he's getting more more and more proficient. He hasn't missed a stumping, which has been every stumping that's been presented to him in the free in the free test so far, he's taken. Yeah, I think that's free now for the series. Um, that's the sign of a good wicket keeper on a spinning wicket. Oh, and especially especially that indoor wicket, which was yeah. just absurd. The amount that it was, and that ball from Kuhneman that he that he stumped Rowhead off that kicked that he took that up around shoulder height as clean as a whistle and had the bales off before Rowhead could even turn to look at the back. Yeah. So um, I don't know how. Determined row it was to get back in the crease because I'm pretty sure as soon as he was halfway through stroke he realised he was out. But yeah. but yeah, it was quick work. There, it, there yeah. was even if Rowett wasn't you know resigned to the fact that he was being going to be yeah. dismissed. He oh, was, he was gone for all money. It didn't matter if he was trying to get back or not. But just the neatness of it all. That's what you like to see with your wicket keepers. Everything's nice and neat. Mm. There's no flamboyance. There's no fancy movements. It's just I've got the ball and I took the bales off. Um, That's what you want. The other one I've been particularly impressed with um, is Marnus Labuschagne. And we always talked about Labuschagne being a key player in India, despite the fact he's never been to India on these conditions. We always just assumed that he would um, he would be the guy that was yeah. the key. And he, he's lived up to that. I mean, no one's really scored big runs, but Labuschagne has gotten in and you know he's looked like he could do something on all of yeah. those wickets. He, it, he's never been a point where he's yeah. like... He looked all at sea, like, yeah. like Travis Head was in the subcontinent a little while ago where he had no game plan. Marnus has gone in with a very clear game plan. And, and scored some sh- tough runs in yeah. some difficult I'm conditions. not sure his game plan to Dejaja has been right. Yeah, I think he's too much on the back foot to Dejaja. And yeah. Dejaja's feeding him balls to push him to the back foot, push him to the back foot. And all the ones that are knocking him over are the fuller balls. Where he's on the back foot, getting him elbow in, knocking him over, you know, or getting it him. to keep low. He's got this yeah. remarkable ability to just get it to skid yeah. from a, a length that you go, I can get back to that, but just doesn't get up. Which yeah. is, and it's been helping that none of the wickets have been bouncing. Oh, well, um, I mean, 
I'll but, be, do they do actually do charts on the average bounce of the ball off a certain length on those wickets? Oh, I'm not sure they they will because it'll paint them in particularly <laughs> poor lights. But that technology does exist. It you does, see it all yeah. the time in, okay. on Fox Sports or compare like yeah. Gabba to Melbourne to Sydney to yeah. Perth. So yeah. you can absolutely do that. But I haven't seen that show up on no, the, no, uh, the That's, what, that's the what I was asking. I thought like... Maybe they really don't want us to know how low the ball bounces. The, the thing is, but you can adjust. You can adjust down. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You can keep your hands a little bit lower. You can play the ball a little bit lower. It's when it's doing that, and then all of a sudden one kicks up towards the shoulder of your bat or, the, or your gloves. That's where you get into a lot of trouble on spinning wickets. Yeah. And they're inconsistent spinning wickets. None of the wickets have been consistent. And that's oh a, no, the first one was I, I. The first one was pretty consistent. I, look, I didn't really have too the, much of a problem with the first. The one. second one had no like I had no problem with with the first two wickets. I mean, it probably should have bounced more in the second one, but by the same token, we exacerbated how poor the bounce was by sweeping everything. Yeah. Um, I'd say they deserve the average rating they were given. I mean, there was too much help for spin too early. Um, there wasn't enough um, bounce and carry to have quick bowlers, you know, at all, which is how pitchers are rated. They're rated on the ability for a competitive game of cricket that involves all three skill sets, spin, batting, seam bowling. Yeah, and we're into and the fourth test of, of the two best test nations in the world. We've had one test century, mate. Oh, we're, we're, we're into the fourth test and we haven't had, uh, you know, not we've had nine days of cricket in three tests. Yeah. Um, so I think that the, I think Paul was definitely... Uh, correct for indoor, and I think average was correct for the other ones. I don't think there was anything particularly unfair about those, so they're not crying about the wickets, but they were average. There wasn't enough in it for other skill sets, and there was too much in it for the spin, but it wasn't doing anything crazy. There was the odd one that would spin more than the others, which you'll get inconsistencies in, in wearing wickets. Um, and I would say that the second test but, I mean, was, just, was, was just, too low. You just hit the nail on the head there that we have nine days, so an average what, three, three days, why are we getting those type of conditions so early in a test match? Yeah, and that's the thing. That's why I think you can't give them any better than average because part of the criteria for a good wicket is the fact that it spins later in the game, and they have it. They've spun from the, the sixth over. So they've been bringing on spin and getting it to go sideways very early. So at best, those wickets deserve an average rating. But by that same, I'm not saying the wickets are the reason that Australia's losing our poor execution of our skills are why we're losing, but the wickets have been average cricket wickets. Um, and we're coming into the fourth test. They've prepared three wickets. I think they've only just now decided which wicket they're going to finish preparing for the game, which starts tomorrow. So could be up to some more shenanigans. So, um, Do you I'm, think they would actually be bold enough to leave some grass no, on the wicket? No. No, because we'll quickly identify that there's grass on there and, like, they don't have Boomer or anything like that. No, and, and we'll, we'll pick Morris and, and Stark and and, that, and our batsmen are happier facing quick bowling than they are facing spin. They'll be looking at that going, all right, so none of their batsmen have really got their, got stuck in and scored any major runs against spin. There's been some that have got some handy contributions, but if you go and produce a wicket that implies that you need to carry two or more quicks, we're perfect. We'd be much happier facing Siraj and, and Shami than Jadeja and Ashwood. Yeah, like, sure. So I, I can't imagine India going, well, let's see if they can handle this because Jadeja and Ashwood know that 
more often than not, they're going to get our number. So, yeah. you know, why? I think they've got something ridiculous. They average well under 17 in India over the last yeah. five years or something. So, no, it'll be a spinning wicket again. Like, yeah. they won't. They won't rearrange the deck chairs because you, you, don't, think, got you don't think they'll overcook it the way because that's what I think they did with the indoor. Here. No, I think, I think they'll I think be, they overcooked it. I, I think because this is uh, a Manabad, this is their their big one, their hundred plus thousand stadium. They kind of they won't want it getting a poor rating nah. because um, so it'll be it'll be a wicket that's that yeah, I reckon it'll, it'll it'll behave like the first two. Yeah. You'll get spin on it early, but I don't think it'll be just that outrageous. Um, turn that you got for for indoor. It'll be a wicket that plays very much. I'd, I'd imagine like the second test where the ball will stop bouncing altogether by end of day two, day three, and it'll just be another nightmare to bat on. Um, all right, so I think that'll wrap us up. We'll uh, wrap up the rest of the uh, Border Gavaskar Trophy uh, for our next episode, and we'll have indeed the- we will. We'll have many more. Beautiful cricket morsels to share with you, with our connoisseurs. And then we'll get to talk about uh, what's coming up in terms of the World Test Championship final. There'll be the One Day International Series. We'll then get on to the next big talking point, which will, of course, be our Ashes preparation. Oh, yes. Cricket is the sport that never stops, and that's why we love it so much. So until next time, thanks for joining us for tonight's episode, uh, and uh, bye for now. Over. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.